0: Today's gospel places us at the very beginning of our Lord's public ministry, the time those three years of his life when he preached and worked his miracles. And a seemingly inauspicious beginning it is here in St. Mark's gospel. First of all, we're told that Jesus' ministry begins after John had been arrested. John, of course, our Lord's cousin, was the one who had prepared the way for him. John, as we heard last week, pointed Jesus out to two of his own disciples. John was the one who had baptized Jesus in that moment when the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove over the head of our Lord. We might expect something far better for the last and greatest of the prophets than arrest and eventual beheading, which was... John the Baptist's fate. And then we have the first words out of the mouth of the Savior. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. You know, I'm sure during those years when Jesus was growing up with the Holy Family in Nazareth, Our Lady must have taught him much as he grew, but clearly she didn't give him a class in marketing. He came on the scene not with a slick advertisement or some giveaway to draw people in, but with a call to repentance. Not a popular thing. Jonah knew that. We heard in our first reading today from the book of the prophet Jonah, and we picked it up in the third chapter, which tells us about the success Jonah had in Nineveh when he obeyed the will of God and preached repentance there. But we all know that at the first call from the Lord, Jonah had run away, and it took a whale swallowing him and spewing him out on the seashore to convince him to do what God asked. He didn't want to go preach repentance. He knew it's not a popular message. And yet this is how Jesus begins. Why the message of repentance? Well, Jesus knew that he had something great to offer. The best thing possible, really. He had grace. He had supernatural life to offer to us. Life so great that death, that which is most feared by us, doesn't hold a candle to this life that he had come to give us. But in order to be filled with this far superior life, we first need to be emptied of what is taking up all that space in our hearts. We have to make room. We have to prepare the way for Christ to come in. And that is what repentance is. Repentance is clearing out from our hearts whatever fills it and keeps the Lord from pouring into our hearts His grace, His supernatural life. You see, Jesus' call to repentance doesn't come from a grumpy, finger-wagging God. It comes from God who is love. God loves us enough to respect our freedom. He's not going to force himself upon us. He invites us to follow him, which requires repentance. And God loves us enough to tell us the truth. God loves us enough to put his finger on whatever it is that stands between us and his supernatural divine life, so that we can allow him to clear it out and make space for what is infinitely better. This explains what happens in the very next part of the gospel. Mark told us this evening, as he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. Then Mark adds, they were fishermen. Every time I read that, I think it's rather obvious that you have to point that out. Who else casts nets into the sea if they're not fishermen? But Mark is driving home a point to help us understand the significance of what happens next. Jesus, we are told, calls them, come after me. And immediately, what do these fishermen do? They abandoned their nets. They just let their nets go. They were willing to give up their entire livelihood for the sake of what he had to offer. It's an image of repentance. Not that fishing is in any way sinful, but the Lord's will for these men To become his apostles meant that they had to leave this good thing behind in favor of something even better. And really, what they had to give up was not their nets, or even in the case of James and John, their father Zebedee. They had to give up their own will. They had to give up their selfishness. They had to empty themselves of themselves so that they could welcome the true life that Jesus offered all of this is why Jesus begins his preaching with a call to repentance. And so it is that you and I, weak, fallen human beings that we are, we need this call. And we have to take it seriously. For one thing, we often fall back into the same sins, don't we? Again and again and again. Our sins become habits. Which means that we have to repent over and over and over again. It's not just something we do once and we're finished with it. And even beyond this, gradually as we grow in faith, as we allow Christ to root out the bigger, the more obvious sins from our lives, then this interesting thing happens. We begin to see the smaller sins as well that we hadn't even seen before. And so we need further repentance. And then as the smaller sins are rooted out, we begin to see our imperfections, those things that aren't sinful in themselves, but things that keep us from being as generous as possible in giving ourselves totally to Christ. In other words, the Christian life is a life of ever-deepening repentance. And that's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. Because the deeper our repentance goes, the deeper the grace of God goes, and the greater the gift of life that we receive. And that, my friends, is why in our practice of the faith, the sacrament of reconciliation is so vital for us and such a gift. Jesus was the one who gave us this sacrament We didn't just make it up on our own. He gave it to us as this primary form of repentance after our baptism, the way that throughout our lives we can draw from his grace, this never exhausted fount of grace on this long journey of repentance. And so I ask you this evening, what place does confession have in your life? The church obliges us to receive this sacrament a minimum of once a year. So if it's been more than a year since your last confession, consider this a not-so-subtle nudge to come back and receive the sacrament soon. But the rest of us, even if it's been less than a year, are not off the hook either. Certainly, we are free if we choose to settle for the minimum. That's what a yearly confession is. But let's be honest we recognize that the minimum is not where we want to be. To prove my point, I ask you this question. When was the last time you drove 40 miles an hour down Interstate 70 of your own free will? (laughs) I always chuckle when I see those speed limit signs that tell you not only the upper limit, but the lower minimum. Who in their right mind drives 40 miles an hour down the interstate? Because we don't settle for the minimum. Regular confession, my suggestion would be monthly, is a very necessary practice if we want to be generous in responding to the call to repentance that's for each of us. There's power in the grace that is ever available in those confessionals, power in the grace that is available there to bring us deeper and deeper towards great perfect union with God. God calls us to repentance, not to torture us or make our life difficult. He doesn't call us to repentance for His own kicks. He doesn't get anything from us, certainly not from our repentance. He doesn't need that from us. He calls us to this for our own good. Jesus came among us in the flesh to reveal God's love for us. God loves us enough to respect our freedom and to tell us the truth and to call us to true life, to call us to put aside those false claimants to the place that he and he alone deserves in our hearts. Let us draw grace from Mass today to love this God who loves us so much in return. Grace to love him enough to repent, To leave our nets on the seashore and to follow him. Saint Patrick, pray for us.